Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Kyle the Kaiju Guy. And today I am continuing Ray Harryhausen month that I am doing. And I'm covering one of my favorite films. It's one of my earliest films that I can remember seeing and becoming a big fan of and all of that. And it is Jason and the Argonauts. Now... I've I've mentioned before that like how long of a fan I've been of this movie that people need to understand that this is this is one of the films that I saw in a hotel room whenever I was a child uh whenever I was traveling with my father. So I've been a fan of this movie just as long as I've been a fan of King Kong or Godzilla, you know, in any of the kaiju films or anything like that that I have watched. So, like, this this movie means a, a pretty, pretty great deal to me, and I credit this film, as well as the film that I'm going to be talking about next week, as helping me really, like, delve into mythology and becoming such a fan of the different mythologies of different cultures and everything uh, throughout the world though this this film helped is definitely the one that I'm talking about next week that really helped me like okay like I'm I'm in I'm into this like I need to to find out as much about this as I possibly can and you know became a big fan of Greek mythology and and all of that so um yeah pretty much the my earliest memory of watching this film was being in a hotel room sitting at the foot of the bed and we're flipping through tra channels trying to find something to watch. And whenever I first came across it, before being able to see it like from the beginning or anything, whenever I first came across it was, it was right after Jason had gotten the Golden Fleece and he's being chased and, you know, so we stopped and I'm like, well, this looks kind of cool. And we watched a little bit. And whenever Homeboy throws out the teeth of the Hydra to create like the children of the teeth of the Hydra, which end up being the skeletons. And they came out of the ground and seeing them, just seeing the skeletons ready to fight and their movements, like whenever they're first moving towards Jason and his two companions, and they're walking kind of slow, all of their steps are in unison, like I was just mesmerized. And then the battle cry that the skeletons do, and the fight begins, I was just, I was blown away by, by what I was watching. And, you know, so that was the first scene that I ever saw of this movie. And it would be a few years later before I actually got to see the film from start to finish. And yes, I was in a hotel room whenever I got to see it from start to finish. But uh, yeah, I've I've been a fan of this film like ever since I was, you know, six, seven years old or something like that. So I'm very happy to finally be covering this film. Unfortunately, this is one of those cases where there's not a lot of production info um, out there that I could find for the film. I have numerous, like, Ray Harryhausen 
uh, documentaries and interviews and everything that's part of like um, bonus features on many of the Blu-rays that I own of Ray Harryhausen films. Uh, I lived on YouTube this week while watching just about any kind of interview or anything like that with uh, Ray Harryhausen that I could find. Uh, you know, there, I just, I could not find a whole, whole lot about the production of this film, but because, well, when a lot of times, whenever people think about this movie, it's one of Ray's more iconic and popular films in the eyes of many fans. This is <clears throat> his best film. And a lot of times, whenever this movie gets brought up, not a lot of people are like, oh, well, how did the casting process go? And how did they build the ship? You know, and all that kind of stuff. Like, people aren't worried about that. Like, they mostly want to talk about the creations and the animations and all of that that Ray did for the movie. Because there are numerous, <clears throat> like, very iconic scenes and animations and creations that are in this movie that... You know, like his most famous animated sequence of all time is in this film. And so, you know, that that's what most people like to focus on whenever they talk about this movie. And I couldn't find a whole lot production-wise. So, I'm just going to talk uh, about a little bit about the casting. I'm going to talk about, like, the differences between the creations that's found in the film versus like what was in the actual myths and maybe some of the inspirations that was behind some of the creations and all of that. And naturally I'm going to talk about the infamous skeleton fight. So, all right guys, let's, uh, let's jump straight into it and talk about Jason and the Argonauts. This is actually Ray's personal favorite film that he that he worked on. He tells anybody and everybody, he's stated it in numerous interviews, that uh, whether he's asked or not, he'll just kind of throw it out there, that this is his favorite movie that he worked on. Because he likes the sword and sorcery, or sword and sandal, I guess would be uh, what this would actually be called. He likes that genre of film. You know, that's why he's got the Sinbad movies, Clash of the Titans... Uh, this film, like he, he really likes this particular genre of film and this is his personal favorite that he did. Um, <clears throat> one of the first things that I'm going to talk about is the casting of Jason. Now, Jason is played by an individual named Todd Armstrong and he is an American and I specifically state that he is an American because the vast majority of the cast in this film were British and they have very, very obvious British accents. You know, it's kind of weird to be watching a movie about Greek mythology and uh, I'll, I'll use um, Hercules as an example in the film that's played by Nigel Green that, you know, he's a Greek hero, like Greek mythology and all that kind of stuff. And like they, they talk in a very, you know, very obvious uh, British accents and all of that. And because Todd Armstrong was an American, they felt that his voice, <clears throat> his American accent would have been 
distracting. Like it wouldn't have fit in right or anything like that. So Todd Armstrong, Jason in the film, his his lines are actually dubbed by by a, a British actor. And Jason was not the only character to be dubbed. There were other characters that were dubbed as well because they felt that their accents wouldn't match as well. So there there's a few characters in here that their their voices are dubbed. Now, I mentioned Hercules just a little while ago that is played by Nigel Green. I'm going to go on ahead and say, like, I'm not going to lie. I, I, there, there are a lot of people, there's been a lot of Hercules movies made over the years. And while a lot of people may say they have, like, their version of Hercules that's like, that's the quintessential Hercules, that's who they see as Hercules, or they thought this guy was the best at Hercules and all of that kind of stuff. Personally, I don't really have a quintessential version of Hercules. Like, I don't know. It's like every time I watch a movie that deals with Hercules, I'm just like, okay, that's Hercules. And there's not really one actor that stands out above all of the others. But if there was an actor that came close to that, that I would sit there and say, yeah, that's my Hercules. Like, that's the one I like the best. It would be... Nigel Green from this film. And there's a lot of people that like Nigel Green as Hercules. There were a lot of people that did not like Nigel Green as Hercules. Mostly because of his physique. Because most of the, most of the time, whenever people think of Hercules, or any kind of mythological strongman, or anything like that, uh, another one that comes to mind would be Samson from the Bible. You know... Whenever people think of, like, a strong man, somebody who is supposed to represent strength, in the film that they're going to be doing, they, they would very much like to see that reflected on screen. Um, the film Samson that came out uh, about three or four years ago, uh, they, they got a very Samson-looking guy <laughs> to, to, um, to play that part. Like, he, he was big, he was tall had muscles on top of muscles and all of that. Like, he very much looked like Samson. Now, my mother, you know, I've told you guys that I've, I've, I grew up in a Pentecostal household and my mother is still very much a uh, practicing Pentecostal. And I've, you know, we still have biblical discussions here and there. And I've told her about that movie that I just mentioned, uh, Samson. And... She said, and I completely get this, I completely understand, that she never pictures Samson as being like this big, giant, musc muscular man or anything because she feels that if his strength came from God, that he could just be an ordinary-looking guy and he would just have the strength that God gave him. So anytime she pictures... uh. Samson, she pictures just a pretty average-looking dude that has this crazy amount of godly strength. And, you know, there are many people out there that prefer that. Like, they, they don't, you know, like, just because you have the strength of a god or something like that does not mean you need to look like a bodybuilder. And Nigel Green pretty much fits this description. Whenever he was cast in the role, the reason that he was cast is because there had been Hercules movies done before. There had been 
you know, other films that were done with like these big oiled up muscular dudes and all that kind of stuff. And the people working on this film did not want that for their Hercules because they, they didn't want to go with that trope. They just didn't want to like, okay, well we're doing Hercules. So we've got to get a big muscular dude, a big muscular dude that we're going to cover in oil. So they did, they just didn't want that. But also they did not want the muscle man or the strong man really to overshadow Jason. Like J Jason is the hero of this story. He's the main character. And so they didn't really want people, you know, to go into this movie like, okay, we're going to watch Jason and the Argonauts and then come out like, man, did you see Hercules? Did you see the way the guy looked? Man, that was the biggest, most muscular dude I've ever seen and all that. Man, he's a bodybuilder or something like, you know, they didn't want that kind of stuff. So they wanted, they got a big guy, Nigel Green. He's not small by any means. Like he is you know, well-built, but he's not, he doesn't fit the description that most people would think Hercules would be. And so there was some backlash over Nigel Green playing the role of Hercules, but personally, I'm okay with it. I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me <laughs> really. I mean, I've, I've never been one of those ones. Uh, I'm not quite on the level of my mother of being like, oh, well, you know, I think he should just be a normal looking dude. I don't think he should be normal looking. I think he should be, you know, a little bit larger than average or something, which I believe Nigel Green was because he is kind of this big burly, like bare chested, you know, guy, uh, not really bare chested, you know, he's covered in hair, but, um, I meant like not wearing a shirt, but you know, like he's. He's a pretty physically like imposing looking dude just by looking at him. And so I've always, you know, kind of been like, okay, yeah, I'm cool with this. And uh so yeah, that's Nigel Green talking about um him him being cast as Hercules. Now, let's get into some of the animations that are done for this film. Um my personal favorite animation from this film or creation that's in this film easily to me is Talos or Talos, how, however you feel like, uh, pronouncing it. But, um, yeah, Talos, he steals the show for me. I love the entire Talos sequence. Um, there, there's a few, there's quite a few differences in Talos in this film versus the actual Greek myth. First of all, in the Greek myths, he's only about eight feet tall. And he's mechanical, he's metal and all of that, but he's not, there's deferring opinions, you know, like based on certain descriptions, like what he was actually made of. But a lot of uh, scholars believe that like he was, like he was some form of metal or something like that. And he wasn't just this stationary statue that was basically just chilling out waiting for pirates to come by or anything like that. He was actually on an island and he was going to be, he was patrolling the beaches and I believe he would walk, he would walk the beaches, uh, three times a day <clears throat> is, uh, it's been a while since I've read the myth, but, uh, I believe it was, uh, three times a day, but <clears throat> like he was only eight foot tall. He would walk three times a day. And the moment that Jason and the, and the crew, Jason and the Argonauts, 
start coming, he immediately is trying to fend them off. He's throwing rocks at them and everything like that. So it's not one of those deals to where it's like, oh, you know, like, who is Talos? Where is Talos? Like, no, in the myth, they knew immediately. Oh, it's that giant robot that's throwing stuff at us. <laughs> you know, so uh, uh, that's one of the major differences. Uh, the reason that Ray decided he wanted to make him so much larger was because of a film called The Colossus of Rhodes, which is based on the actual, like, wonder of the world, of the ancient world, The Colossus of Rhodes. Um, there was a film that was done in 1961, I believe. And he liked it. He liked the way that it looked. He liked how massive it was, the fact that it was, you know, a colossus. And so he decided that he wanted to make Talos. A, Col a Colossus as well. And for those of you that don't know what the Colossus of Rhodes is, that's the big massive statue to the Greek sun god Helios that oftentimes you will see depicted in art and things like that where he's like straddling a, um, a river channel or something like that and the water is like flowing underneath him and ships would go underneath him. This massive, massive statue. In the film, The Colossus of Rhodes, he's about 300 feet tall. In actuality, the, the statue was, on, was only about, you know, less than 100 feet. So the film made him much larger than what, uh, what he actually was. But you can see the inspiration to The Colossus of Rhodes in Jason and the Argonauts whenever uh, Talos, he first, he's trying to get to the ship. They take off, they leave and everything, and as they're trying to get away, they have to go through this narrow channel, and Talos heads them off at the pass, and you see him like do this massive step over to where now he is straddling that channel of water. And so that was, and Ray intentionally did that, because it, he was a, in, you know, the Colossus of Rhodes was an inspiration, so he wanted to do that to show that it was an inspiration. Um, there was a little bit of backlash, and to this day, there's still a little bit of backlash whenever it comes to Talos because of how stiff he is. And Ray has mentioned in numerous interviews that, yeah, he caught, he caught some issues from some people because they would say, well, he's too stiff or he's, you know, he's, he's not near as smooth as many of the other creations. And Ray would just sit there and say, he's a bronze statue. He's not supposed to be as smooth as Medusa which is a slithering snake. He's not supposed to be as smooth as the skeleton uh, props that he had made, considering that the skeletons have every single joint that an actual skeleton has. Like, it's not flesh and bone or anything like that. It's a statue. Like, he's supposed to be very stiff. Like, I, I just, I don't understand why that's ever really been a complaint <laughs> from people. But, uh, yeah, Talos absolutely steals the show for me. I love Talos. I love the sequence. Um, there are a number of Talos, uh, figures that I'm watching on, like, either eBay or Amazon or something like that, that, um, they're, they're a little pricey. So, uh, I don't have a Talos yet, but hopefully I will have a Talos, uh, one day in the future because I, I definitely really, really want one. Um... Now, one thing that was accurate was, is not necessarily how they kill Talos, but his weakness was in his ankle, because in the actual myths, he has one vein 
that runs from his neck down to his ankle, and it was pretty much plugged by a bronze plug. And it wasn't Jason that unplugs it, it was actually Medea, the love interest that is in this film. Uh, in the myths, she's a sorceress. And she actually unplugs the, uh, the ankle, which causes Talos to bleed out, and then, you know, that's, that's the end of Talos. But, um, I think it's cool, and I've always felt that that's why in the film, whenever he's bleeding out and you see Talos reaching up for his neck, like grabbing at his neck and everything like he's choking, because that's the vein runs from his ankle up to his neck. And so whenever it gets unplugged and all of his blood starts draining out of him and all of that, you know, naturally, as it goes down, he's going to lose blood in his neck first. So I've always felt that that's why he was reaching for his neck in the film because like, you know, he's, he's losing blood and all of that. And then he collapses and falls apart. And that is the end of Talos. Now, one, one other thing that I'm going to talk about, like the difference between Talos and in myth versus film was I've already said he was only about eight foot tall, how he would kill like pirates and things like that. After he would capture them or something, he would put himself in a fire, heat himself up very, very hot, like making himself red hot. And then he would come out and he would grab the, um, the, uh, pirate or whoever that he would capture and he would just give them a big old hug and they would, uh, get burnt to a crisp. And so that's, that's pretty much the end of what I've got to say about Talos. Now, one of the other complaints that many fans have about this film is the use of Triton in that they used an actual actor, like a real person. And for those of you that don't know exactly who I'm talking about, I'm talking about whenever the, the Argos was going through the clashing rocks and the giant god comes up out of the water and he's holding the rocks, like making it to where they don't move as much so that Jason and the crew can go on through. A lot of people may be under the impression that that is Poseidon. That is not Poseidon, that is Triton. Triton is the son of Poseidon, and I know that that is Triton because it has come straight from Ray Harryhausen's mouth himself that that is Triton that he used. And there are a lot of people that said, yeah, they would have much preferred to have seen uh, that particular part animated as opposed to just a normal man in a costume. He uh, kind of had like a fishtail and all of that. But the reason that they did that is because Ray straight up said... Like, it's hard to, with that particular sequence that they were going to be doing, trying to get him to hold the rock still and all of that, trying to get the boat to pass under him. Like, it was going to be very difficult to do the prop with a animated Triton while also keeping the ship stationary. There was going to be moving water and all of that kind of stuff. Like, nothing would have really ma matched up. So that's why they decided to just go with a regular human. And um, another reason is because stop motion takes time. Like, <laughs> it takes a lot of time. And he straight up said that they filmed that entire sequence, the whole thing with the clashing rocks and, you know, the little props and the rocks falling, Triton coming up and they passing through and uh, Jason, you know, finding 
Medea that was lost at sea because her ship was lost uh, whenever it tried to pass the Clashing Rocks. That entire sequence is filmed in about a week. He said if they would have tried to do stop motion, like for them to be able to film all of the stuff with the props and then for him to go back later, uh, this is not even counting him actually going back and taking the pictures with the stop motion of whatever prop, like just filming it, like having to snap and do the frames and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, it would have taken about a month. So he, uh, he, he said, uh, we could save three weeks on filming if we just use a human and uh, coupled with all of the other issues with the water and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're going with a human. So that's what they did. Now, Another prop that is in this film that many, many people like that Ray Harryhausen, um, it, he kind of, not in his exact words, but he pretty much considers this to be like the bane of his existence, and that is the Hydra. The Hydra is taken from the myths of like the labors of Hercules. And for those of you that don't know what the Hydra is, which I'm sure you do, because many of you have probably seen the Disney cartoon of Hercules, but, um, like, the Hydra is the multi-headed serpent that Hercules fights, and every time he cuts off one of his heads, uh, two more grow in its place. And he end up, ended up having to cut a head off and, like, cauterizing the wound so that a new head wouldn't grow up and all of that. Like, that's how it went down in the myths. And so they decided to borrow the Hydra from the Hercules stories and all of that and put it in uh, this film. And Ray has stated in interviews that he said there were multiple times that he regretted ever deciding to use the Hydra. Because the Hydra was very, very difficult to animate. You just simply watch that sequence. Seeing the Hydra come out, seeing its seven heads, they're all moving like independently in different directions and all of that kind of stuff. Like, imagine trying to keep up with that, to where like you take a take a picture and you have to move this head very slightly upward and then this head slightly down, this head slightly to the side. Well, this one just simply turned its head. So he turns it to the side and then this one, like the entire neck kind of reared back a little bit. So move the neck back and all that. Like he had to do that for every single frame that he did. And Ray was notorious for wanting to do all of the stop motion stuff by himself and he didn't take a whole lot of notes and he stated in a few interviews that like one of the problems that would happen is while he was animating trying to do an animated sequence his phone would ring so he would answer the phone and a lot of times it would be work related and he would talk to them and then whenever he'd put the phone down and he'd come back to the hydra then all of a sudden he's like wait a minute what was this head moving forward or was it, was this head going down and he would get things mixed up. And so, yeah, it, uh, he, he very, very much regretted ever using the Hydra, uh, in the film though. That was his single most difficult prop that he ever did. The most difficult sequence he ever shot, which he, he flat out says is the most trying one he's ever done is the skeleton sequence that is also in this film, and I'll get to that momentarily. Um, we are now going to talk, talk about the harpies. Uh, 
I think the harpies don't get enough love in this movie, in the grand scheme of things, because a lot of times, you know, they were just, they were so overshadowed by the other creations. You know, there's Talos, which is one of the highlights of this film. The skeletons, obviously, is what most people remember and talk about when it comes to this movie. The Hydra, just how impressive it was that it had seven independently moving heads and all of that. The, the harpies kind of tend to get lost in the shuffle, which, uh, you know, it, it makes me feel bad because I think it's a very do well done sequence. It's a very impressive sequence having the harpies, two harpies flying around, their wings are going, you know, they're moving like in their own way that they do. Uh, they're also filming, you know, both harpies are trying to fight, uh, like multiple people at times and all of that kind of stuff. Like it was, it was such a well done sequence and I hate that it kind of gets lost in the shuffle compared to the other animations and creations that are found in this film. But that's pretty much all I've got to say about the harpies. So now moving on to the main event, what most people talk about and harp on and everything like, Oh man, I should have used the harp on for, uh, Talking about the harpies of being a good dad joke, but uh, <laughs> but uh, anywho, what most people walk away from talking about this film is the skeleton sequence. Now, in the myths, they weren't supposed to be skeletons; they were supposed to be rotting corpses. And so, obviously, because of censorship and all of that back then, um, they couldn't very well go with the rotting corpses. And Ray had done a skeleton sequence in the seventh voyage of Sinbad. And he actually used that same skeleton in this film. So one of the skeletons, one of the prop skeletons that's in uh, the seventh, vo I mean, that's in this film is the one from the seventh voyage of Sinbad. And he just simply made six more. So giving his, his total to be seven. Now I've talked about this before in the past that the way they had to shoot the film was, they would get the actors and they would hire, they hired stuntmen, like fight choreographers and all of that, seven of them, and they would have numbers on the back of their shirts so that Ray would be able to keep up with as he would be animating the skeletons and all of that kind of stuff. Like, okay, number one is here and then it runs around here and attacks this guy and uh, all the while, like number two gets knocked back and uh, number three like jumps over him to come over here, you know, like, like that's how uh, he was able to differentiate between like which actor was going to be a skeleton and all of that but they would rehearse the fight scenes with the stuntmen like an actual like little sword fight and all of that kind of stuff and pretty much once the the three actors had the movements down they had everything memorized the stuntmen left and they're like okay now we're going to film this fight scene and the actors are basically going to shadow sword fight. And they had certain cues like, okay, for this swing, like you're going to chop down, but you're going to stop your arm about halfway through because there needs to be a skeleton in the sequence that Ray is going to do that's going to put its sword up and block the sword. Whereas the next blow may have been, it's a complete swing through, like whenever one of the skeletons gets decapitated, like, you know, not everything was going to be blocked and all of that. So, like, it was it was very trying on the actors having to know exactly when to stop their swords and when to time their kicks and 
all of that kind of stuff. And then Ray, after all of that was filmed, he, uh, he went back to film in his method that he would do to where like he would, um, like basically pause the frame and he would have the skeletons set in front and all of that. And he would move each one of them, uh, in the way that he would move them and all of that. And then snap a picture. And then he would move on a little, uh, you know, to the next frame, repose everything. Like all the different skeletons that were in there and all the different movements that he was doing, he was having to do, I think it was 35, either 35 or 34 individual movements per frame for the skeletons. So think about that. I want you guys to like get a pretty detailed action figure that you have, maybe something from SH Monster Arts or uh, some of the NECA figures or something like that, and just try to practice with stop motion and just like try to make it take like a full step. Move it a little bit, snap a picture. Move it a little bit more, snap a picture. Move it a little bit more, snap a picture. And just do that over and over and over again until you've made this figure take a step. And then there, there are apps that you can upload the pictures to to, you know, make it, put it in video format so that you can actually see what it will look like as a stop motion sequence and all of that kind of stuff. And sit there and think, like, how tedious that was, how difficult that was, the time that it took, you know, like, dead gum, I took, like... 50-something pictures for a whopping two seconds of footage. Like, okay. So now imagine, like, for every single picture that you would go to take, instead of moving that figure's foot, like, forward just a little bit for him to be able to take a step, imagine that there are six other figures there, and you have to make 35 movements per frame and then snap a picture. Go to the next frame. 35 more movements. Snap the picture go to the next frame. Like, that's what Ray was having to do with the skeleton sequence and all of that. And overall, like, the fight scene itself lasts three, four minutes, five minutes at most. Probably not even five minutes. We'll say four. We'll say four. We'll go right in the middle. So we'll say that the sequence, the whole sequence lasts about four minutes. It took Ray over four months to film the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the whole sequence, like taking the pictures and having everything lined up and, and all of that kind of stuff. Four months! Over four months. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the workload of doing like four months worth of work and then when you're, you're finally done and like, okay, here it is, and then boom, it's like three and a half minutes. You know, like, more power to Ray, man. He's, he's, ah, man, he's, he's the master when it comes to special effects, the absolute master. But yeah, guys, uh, that, that pretty much does it for Jason and the Argonauts. Like I said, I don't, I don't have a lot to say about like production and a whole lot of other casting stuff and all of that. But, uh, I just wanted to talk about the numerous creations that was in this film and, and all of that. So that does it for Jason and the Argonauts. It's one of my favorite Ray Harryhausen films. Um, Tom Hanks, whenever at the, uh, one of the Academy Awards, I believe it was the ones that was happening in the early 90s whenever Ray was getting a, uh, an Academy Award for um, his contribution and all of that to film. Tom Hanks is the guy that actually like introduced him. I believe he's the one that he introduced him. And 
he flat out said that most people probably say something like, uh, he mentioned these name these movies by name. He said that Citizen Kane is the best movie, or that Casablanca is the best movie. He said personally, for me, Jason and the Argonauts is the greatest movie ever made. Like so, that's the impact that this movie has had because, and it's not really just the movie. You know, like I've I've argued. One, I've never really understood why Citizen Kane is considered to be the greatest film ever made. Like, I've seen the film. It was it was decent, don't get me wrong. But I've, I've never really saw why it would be considered the greatest film ever made. But um, I think there are other films that, like, that changed the game or made it to where, like, other films had to adopt its methods and all of that kind of stuff. I'm not saying it's the greatest film ever made, but what I'm, I'm going to use King Kong as an example. Like that movie was such a game changer with like the stop motion animation, the way the score was done, the way like there, there were multiple things that that movie did that, changed the game to where afterwards other movies would say, well, we need to start doing it like King Kong. To me, that is a perfect example of saying that that type of movie should be more in the argument of greatest movie ever made other than Citizen Kane. Because, you know, I just, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I really don't know. But uh, speaking of Citizen Kane, I'm going to go on ahead and mention uh, for my... Um, my other podcast that I have, like, I'm sorry that I haven't been really posting a whole lot of movies on that one lately. Like, you know, it's just, it's hard trying to run the YouTube and this podcast and the other podcast and doing my full-time job. And, uh, you know, I had that big issue with, uh, last week that I told you guys about with the branch falling from the tree, ripping the wires out of my house. So I had to do that and get all of that cleaned up and, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I've just, I've had a lot going on. So, um, <laughs> I'm sorry that it's taken me so long to, uh, put some more focus on that other podcast, but I have two videos that are shot, um, that are ready to be posted to YouTube. I'm going to be posting one later on today at the time of this recording. So, uh, be on the lookout for that. And I said, speaking of Citizen Kane, because it's I'm very heavily contemplating that on the other podcast, Cal the Kaiju Guy watches a movie, that Citizen Kane is going to be my my next film that I do. So if you are a fan of Citizen Kane, um, you know, by all means, go on ahead and uh, be on the lookout for that. But back to the Kaiju cast, as you guys know, with my 100th episode, I did a contest to see who was going to uh see who was going to win the contest a $50 gift card the chance to be a guest on the show as well as picking a movie of their choice for me to do and um the robert uh my friend robert delaloy he won uh he's one of my my better listeners you know and i message him quite often i didn't have a whole lot of people enter the contest so you know, he stood a pretty good chance of winning, but, um, uh, he, he flat out said that he does not want to, to be on the show. He's got stage fright. So I said, I completely understand, you know, that there, there's a lot of, one of the main fears that people have is public speaking. And even though 
this isn't what well, I wouldn't necessarily call this public speaking It's just the idea of you speaking and recording that to where, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people can listen to you. Believe me, I get it. I understand. Um, you know, I'm more used to it because whenever I was in school, I took part in some stage productions. Uh, I've, I've preached a few sermons from behind a pulpit in church and all that. Whenever I was, uh, uh, younger. I've done a few concerts like at school, like because I was in, I can play the violin and I was in, um, strings class. And so we would put on like little Christmas programs and stuff like that in school. So I'm, I'm very accustomed to being like in the spotlight and being, you know, all attention being on me and people listening to me. So like, it's, it's different for me. But the average person, a lot of times they don't they don't deal with that kind of stuff. So I, I completely understand why he would uh want to opt out of being a guest on the show. And um so he will be getting the fifty dollar gift card. I will be mailing that out to you whenever I get the uh the opportunity. Robert, I haven't forgotten about you. I've just I've had a lot of stuff going on. Uh also about all the stuff that I've got going on, uh, at work where I work, I, I pretty much run a warehouse with another individual for a utility company. And, um, the other individual that I work with, he was exposed to COVID. And so it's company policy that he, um, he has to take some time off. So this whole, this whole last week, uh, I've been by myself trying to trying to deal with everything and all of that. So that that was even more, you know, making myself busy and working longer hours than usual and all of that. I've got uh, quite a bit of overtime this week, which you know it's very tiring. But boy, boy I can't wait for that paycheck. <laughs> it's it's going to be pretty nice. But uh, yeah, so I'll get that gift card out to you whenever I get the opportunity, Robert. And to let everyone know, the film that he has chosen is one of my all-time favorite films. I love this movie. I've seen it no telling how many times. I probably wouldn't even have to watch it beforehand to be able to talk about it. Uh, it is the very infamous, well-known classic film. It's not necessarily classic, but um, Tombstone, starring Kurt Russell Bill Paxton, Val Kilmer, Sam Elliott. So, can't wait to talk about that one. Um, I'm probably, just because I get more exposure audience-wise on the Kaiju cast versus my other podcast, I'll probably do a Kaiju Carnage Presents and do that on the on this one, the Kaiju cast, so that if uh, you guys wouldn't have to jump over to like another podcast or anything like that, to um to listen to me do that one. So if you're a fan of Tombstone, be on the lookout. Like after Ray Harryhausen month, and after I do like a uh, another kaiju film or something, so that everybody can start listening listening to me talk about kaiju again and all that. I will do Tombstone. So um, go give me a like and a follow on all of my social medias on Facebook. I'm Kaiju Carnage, a Godzilla slash King Kong podcast. I also have a Godzilla Ultima fan page that's getting a lot of attention here lately and I'm not entirely sure why in like the last week it's gotten an additional like 150 likes and I I, I don't know why but I appreciate it thank you but um <laughs> and uh check me out on YouTube Instagram and TikTok where I am Cal the Kaiju guy and yeah so guys thanks thanks for all the love thanks for all the support next week 
I'll be doing my final film entry into Ray Harryhausen month, which was the final film that Ray ever did that he ever worked on. And that is Clash of the Titans. So I hope you guys are looking forward to that. And then that following Wednesday, I'm just going to do a, a final like wrap up of Ray Harryhausen month. It's going to actually be on his birthday that I released the episode and all of that. And it's just going to be me. You know, I'm not necessarily going to have like a script or anything like that. It's just going to be me like, you know, talking about Ray Harryhausen and all of that kind of stuff. I might see about getting some guests on that episode just to, you know, talk about Ray and all of that because he's he's the master and everything. Like he's he's a great, wonderful guy and he's very, very sorely missed. And if you love movies, if you love special effects and all of that kind of stuff, we owe most of what we love to Ray Harryhausen. So uh this has been fun so far, but yeah, it's it's uh it's coming to an end, you know. So next Saturday Clash of the Titans, and then that very following Wednesday, uh, Ray Harryhausen's birthday episode, which will just be me celebrating his career and his life and talking about it and all of that kind of stuff. So there we go. So, alrighty, guys. Again, thank you so much for all the love and all the support. You guys are the best. I wouldn't be doing this without you. I appreciate every single one of you. I love every single one of you. You guys are awesome, and we'll catch you all next time. This is Kyle the Kaiju Guy signing out.